Hello there and welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams alongside Kindred D. St. Aubin as always. A packed show ahead for you. Later on in the second segment, we'll be joined by the voice of Seattle Sounders, Keith Costigan. But first, Kindred, an array of football over the course of the last couple of days. Minnesota United victorious in the Lamar Hunt US Open Cup against Colorado Rapids. We'll cover that shortly. But first, let's concentrate on the, the sour side of things, shall we? A home loss to FC Cincinnati, a much-changed FC Cincinnati to the one that we've seen over the course of the past couple of years. What were your takeaways from that particular evening? Well, I think it's it's similar to what Adrian Heath had said going into the match. This is not the FC Cincinnati that we've become accustomed to. This is not the same Cincinnati that we've seen the last three years that's that at the bottom of the table at the end of the season and pretty much stayed there the entire time. So I don't think this was viewed as a um, easily won, easily taken match for Minnesota United, even though you're at Allianz Field. You should always feel good about that, regardless of who you welcome in. But I think that Minnesota just didn't do enough to capitalize once again on their chances that they did create early in that game. And it showed the more you let FC Cincinnati stick around with the confidence that they've been playing with coming off two victories to Toronto, um, one on the road and one at home. Um, you could just tell that they felt there was something in this game for them and Minnesota didn't capitalize regardless of the changes, the substitutions made, um, what have you. Um, and Cincinnati was a good side and they and they made the most of their moments. And Luciano Acosta, I mean, it proves once again why he has the value that he has. And, um, you know, I know we've talked about this and what he did with DC United, but when he's got people to play with and alongside and and players to play balls into, um, as he did with Vasquez and um, a little bit with Baji, I think you can see his value um, as their number 10 and um, they're utilizing him really well. There is something to be said with regards to momentum for Cincinnati coming into this game. As you mentioned, two back-to-back victories over an improving Toronto FC. Uh, coming into this game, I must admit, I was a little concerned just because of that momentum they had behind them. And my word, they used it. Yeah, and not only just momentum, but the the style of play and what Pat Noonan is asking them to do. And we had the luxury of talking to Pat Noonan last week, even though they had a short week and a quick turnaround. Um, and and he was very straightforward in the sense that, like, look, our our bar isn't to equal the amount of wins that we had last year. Our bar is to get beyond that. And you can see that there's an expectation there within the group, within the staff, and it showed in their preparation for the game. And what was a, even a little bit more disappointing, I thought, is that they did play a midweek game against Toronto FC and then had to travel to Minnesota. And Minnesota looked like the team with less of the energy um, in that game down the stretch. So, again, who knows? Um, but all you can really do is sort of chalk it up to a really uh, missed opportunity to get three points at home, which you need to do regardless of the opposition but also against the Eastern Conference opponent that is usually not great. And now you have to get ready for uh, Seattle Sounders on the weekend. And, oh, by the way, you also had Colorado Rapids, Rapids midweek um, in U.S. Open Cup. So what was the, the main reason then, Kay? What, what was the, the main epicenter as to why FC Cincinnati were able to get a victory at Allianz Field last weekend? Well, I think when you look at the way the midfield plays, and I was expecting Minnesota United to use the wide spaces and to use the space, and we talked about Hong Wane on the outside and Abu Dunlady with the pace on the outside, and can you take advantage of the channels and can you get in behind? But I just thought for the most part, their back line 
whether you want to call it three or five for FC Cincinnati, did well in the sense of the shape that they were taking on, limiting the opportunities, limiting some of the service that was coming in from those channels. And I thought that the outside backs did what they could to get involved, but there really wasn't enough involvement as what we need to see from Kamar Lawrence, whether whether it's O'Neal Fisher on the right-hand side, regardless of who it might be. And I just thought that Luciano Acosta kind of floated side to side. He can find those wide spaces. He's a little bit like Emmanuel Reynoso where he'll go to find the game. But ultimately, I just think that their back five, back three, did really well to contain whether it was Adrian Anu up top, whether it was the space in the channels, whether it was those opportunities they were trying to use with the pace. Um, And it just wasn't enough offensively once again because the defense held firm as long as they possibly could. They tried to keep track of Baji. They tried to keep track of Acosta. They tried to keep track of Vasquez. And for the most part, they did that. And once again, Dane Sinclair had to make some big time saves. But I don't think that the pace on the outside was taken advantage of enough in those channels to capitalize on what we thought we had with uh, Abu Nalani and Banka Kukla Hwangwane with the pace and the channels like Adrian Heath had talked about wanting them to do. And there was a lot of giveaways. I mean, we've talked about turnovers. You can't have turnovers in key positions on the field, whether it's Reynoso sitting a little bit deeper or whether it's higher up the pitch and that offensive third of the field, the attacking third, you just can't have turnovers there. It's just, you have to be smart with the possession. And and I know Adrian, he talked about that at halftime as well. A, a completely new three around Emmanuel Reynoso. We're used to seeing the likes of Robin Lords and Luis Amaria and for the most part, Franco Fragapane. Two of those three players unavailable due to various different reasons. Um, as you mentioned, it was Dunlade and Longwane either side of Reynoso and Adrian Unu started up front. First and foremost, Kay, why do we think Adrian Heath went with that? And what did we learn from that game against Cincinnati? Well, I think he there was a little bit of slim pickings from an option standpoint, uh, from an attacking perspective. And you just hit on the fact that Luis Amaria uh, was out and then Robin Lud, who would have been filling in in that position in this particular match, and he did against L.A., um, was also out due to illness. So I think that already you're a little bit slim pickings. He wanted to go with a certain style of play. We knew he wanted to keep the pace on the wings. That was something that was very specific about Adrian Heath and what he told us midweek was he wanted the pace of Abud and Lottie and Longwani in those channels, in that space to have the ability to get in behind with a little bit of width. And I think that he didn't want to change that. So that's why he put Ajun and New up there rather than Abud and Lottie. Maybe you could, could have slid Abud and Lottie and we saw him do that later in the match, but he started with Adrian, uh, Adrian and New up there. And I think that he deserved an opportunity to, to have his moment. He'd scored some goals, whether it was um, in U.S. Open Cup games or MNUFC 2, I think he deserved the chance to get the start and see what he could do from the get-go. I thought he had, his movement was good. I don't think there was a ton of chances that were created for him to finish. But ultimately, I thought his movement was good off the ball. I saw more activity and movement from him and trying to create um, and trying to find the ball and find the game um, than I had in the previous you know, a handful of games with Luis Amaria. And again, it's just different styles. But ultimately, when you're a goal scorer, you have to capitalize on when you have the ball at your feet in front of goal, whether that's making the near post run, whether it's finding the space off the shoulder, whether it's sitting in between the two center backs. Um, and surprisingly, Minnesota wasn't able to take advantage of Nick Hanglin and, and Jeff Cameron. And they they stood firm on that back line, dealing with the offensive pieces that were being thrown their way. 
So uh, because of that, Minnesota United then made several changes. And of course, uh, another reason for those changes was because of the cluster of games as well. Minnesota found themselves victorious in the Lamar Hunt US Open Cup over two days. A rather bizarre situation after a weather delay forced the game to move to Thursday afternoon in the Open Cup against Colorado Rapids. First of all, Kay, what what was your experience of, of Wednesday evening at Allianz Field? Well, Wednesday evening, it was one of those things that, you know, my husband and my daughter and I had fully planned on going to the match. And we knew that the weather was rolling in, but we were all like, we're going to go. We're going to get there. We're going to enjoy the game as fans and um, sit in stands and see how that rolls. And we knew that it was, unfortunately, the weather was rolling in right about the time the game was going to start. And I don't think we, we all knew it was not going to let up for quite some time. So we rolled in, um, got there right as the national anthem was playing and sat down in our seats, got some pizza, got some ice cream, plopped down, saw two goals in the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes. So that was nice. And then the first lightning strike happens and, you know, there's a delay. And we actually headed out at that time because I knew watching the radar that this thing was not going to be restarting anytime soon. And I said, let's get home. We'll, we'll turn it on ESPN plus we'll watch it on there. We'll be able to finish it out in that shape. That way I'm following along on Twitter. I'm following along on our Slack channel for work, trying to see. And the storm was just crazy um, on our drive home from the stadium. So I was thinking, how in the world are they going to restart this game? Knowing it's 30 minutes for every lightning strike within, within eight miles. So I felt for everybody that was involved and especially the players, Come to find out clearly that the game wasn't gonna wasn't gonna restart. I didn't get to fully um, embrace all of it because we were underneath um, in my daughter's little hiding secret space underneath the stairs because we were under a tornado warning at our house and it was the, the horns were going off and it was pretty severe um, over here by us. So we hid out on, underneath the stairs for a little bit and tried to follow along on our phones. But uh, yeah, it was crazy. It was nuts. And then I was so pumped when they said it was gonna be one o'clock the next day because. I was able to go to the game and it was a beautiful afternoon and the, the fans returned to Allianz field and they were loud and they were proud. And um, it wasn't the same 2000 or so that we had there to start on Wednesday night, but it was awesome. And um, I, I, I can't say the players felt the same way, but I'm sure a win helped. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one thing we, we should highlight here is uh, very, very well done to those fans that were able to make it. Um, unfortunate that uh, several others couldn't, but this is the way we live. Uh, people have work and it is what it is. And hopefully people were able to catch the rest of the game uh, on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, a victory for Minnesota United then against Colorado Rapids. Um, talk me through what you saw for Emmanuel Reynoso's goal, because you and I were texting during the game. I believe we were at opposite ends of the stadium. And so if my memory serves me correct, Reynoso's goal would have been fairly close to you. So talk me through what you saw. Yeah, I mean, just a, a, one of those moments of magic and brilliance that you know that Amanda Reynoso is more than capable of. And you are absolutely right. I was in front of the brew hall on the far end, sitting in the sunshine in the top row. Um, the supporters had moved down there uh, behind that goal, behind the visiting goal. Um, and they allowed them to do that since it was a smaller group uh, for this game. So it was awesome. I mean, it was a nice little combination on the right-hand side. And I know I saw Marcelo Balboa tweet about it as well, and we all know it. But if you know a player is strong on his left foot, the worst thing you can do is allow him that space on the right wing and to get on that left foot. And a couple of just nice clean touches, keeps the ball close, sets himself up perfectly to get it on that left foot and curls it into the inside the post. And I just thought, what a moment um, for him 
and he came on late in the match. What was it? 70th minute, 75th. I don't even remember the goal I think was in the 87th or something like that. So it was pretty late on that, that the actual goal happened and he came on late in the game. Adrian Heath made some quality substitutions in the second half there. And just that moment of brilliance with Emmanuel Reynoso against another MLS club against Colorado Rapids, just putting the dagger and uh, putting that one away when he got it on that left foot. And of course, the Lamar Hunt US Open Cup draw for the round of 16 was made on Thursday evening. Minnesota United with an element of luck drawing USL League One side Union Omaha, who, uh, for those unaware, are the champions of USL League One. So this won't be an easy task. They will come to this stadium, Kindra, uh, and they will be gobsmacked, I'm sure, playing at Allianz Field because uh, players at that level don't usually get to play at a stadium like Allianz Field. Um, Speaking to one or two um, USL coaches over the course of the last couple of days, the one message has been in the Open Cup, if you want to play at a higher level, this is your opportunity to shine. And that'll be the message for the Union Omaha players, I'm sure. Well, and I think that that you will, you're absolutely right. They will be gobsmacked walking into that stadium. And it's going to be another amazing night on amazing pitch with um, an incredible fan base, but what an experience. And that is a huge piece of why the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup is played, is to give these lower division teams, these other division teams, to an opportunity to compete against MLS teams or at least divisions that are higher than them and experience these kinds of things. And, of course, to be seen and to, and to kind of leave their mark on, on these games. So, I mean, what a great draw. It's going to be awesome. The fan base, once again, will show up. I'm sure – there will be some that travel for um, Union Omaha. I'm excited for the game. I'm excited to do a 10 once again as a fan. It's nice to sit in the stands and experience it. So it'll be a great one. Love this tournament. I think it's another one of those really special moments for not only MLS clubs, an opportunity to bring home some silverware, as Adrian Heath has talked about, and win this thing, but for these lower division teams to really make their mark and shine. Okay, we'll take a break. Next up, it's all about Minnesota United's opponents this coming weekend, Seattle Sounders. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. And a very warm welcome back to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics. Callum Williams alongside Kindra D. St. Aubin, as always. Joining us now, a very, very special guest, the unmistakable voice of Seattle Sounders and host of Premier League final on Monday nights on Sirius XMFC. Keith Costigan joins us. Keith, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm very good. Uh, it's been a nice week, uh, you know, soaking in the CCL final win but I think um, maybe unfortunately for you guys there's a lot of talk around Seattle right now the focus has to turn back to MLS so enjoy the last week but now it's it's crack on starting this weekend well no doubt we'll talk about the struggles of Seattle Sounders this season in Major League Soccer but yes let's indeed concentrate on the positives not only for the Sounders Keith but for really the entirety of Major League Soccer finally a CCL winner from North America's top flight as somebody who's part of the Sounders organization 
how have the last seven or eight days been from a Sounders point of view? It, it, it's, it's, been, it's been incredible. I mean, I would go up until, you know, we were lucky enough to go down to Mexico City and just the atmosphere around the, the, the club. Um, I, I've, I've worked in organizations. I've worked with teams where you feel like it's just a team having success and not everybody else involved. But I mean, everybody, the, the, the people that cover the team, the social media teams, the behind the scenes group, everybody was kind of invested in, in, in what CCL meant for the club and, and how important it was to win. And it, just incredible, you know, to just sit back afterwards because you enjoy the night, obviously. And, and Lumenfield was incredible that night, but you kind of just sit back afterwards and you have those conversations with colleagues, you know, in, in different areas of the, of the club. And you go, well, what, what, what a great night that was. What a, what a, what a way to, to show the work we've all done as a group, you know, on the field, off the field, et cetera. So um, the Sounders have always kind of prided themselves of, of setting the example of, you know, setting the tone, so to be the first, you know, to win the, the CONCACAF Champions League in this format is massive. But but as I said, there's like this uniform agreement over the last couple of days, I think, that it's like, hey, now we have to get back to what's the bread and butter of Seattle Sounders, which is, you know, high level of MLS play. We have this long record of, of playoff appearances. And, you know, the, the, the West is a tough, tough uh, division. So many good teams. So you can't fall too far behind. Uh, but now it's, it, it's all about focusing on getting back uh, up that, that Western Conference standings. Well, Keith, what does that mean when you're talking about the buildup and the club has really been focused on CCL? Is, this is, I'll just be my one question about CCL because I know I heard Garth Lagerway talk about how this has been a process trying to get this right and not saying that they knew in 2022 they were going to be in the CCL final, but in general, this was something that this club had wanted basically since he arrived and they had been building towards. Yeah, and I think there was a, a consensus among everybody. You can say, well, we got to a final and you overlook certain things. But these They don't come around that often. You know, the, the Sounders um, have had, you know, the, the idea of, you know, we want to be in the CCL final. But to get there, you don't want to leave things to chance. So, you know, I think we played RSL early in the season where, you know, you say, look, we want to play a strong team in MLS, but we also want to make sure we're fully you know, fully fit and ready to go for a, a club lay on in the, in the quarterfinal. Uh, an, an unbelievable, I think, maybe the best team in, in, that I've seen in MLS this season, New York City FC, uh, in the semifinal. So there was an agreement, I think, from top to bottom that, you know, in those games or in the lead up to the, the CONCACAF games, you may have to pick a line, an altered lineup. You may have to, I, I don't, I don't want to say look beyond because that's not fair to the players that played, but you're not playing your strongest 11 to make sure you have the strongest 11 for CCL play. So um, that's, that's what I think, you know, Garth and, and Brian were in, in uniform agreement about, which is, look, the focus has to be on getting this title, getting us to club world cup that, that, that can look at as a gamble. It certainly can. I mean, even late on in San Jose, you saw uniform changes and then we fall to defeat with a, by conceding a few late goals, so I, I think the idea was, look, we will take those hits if it means being fully prepared for CONCACAF Champions League. Um, the results showed we were, uh, and now it's kind of like, okay, you don't have, and, and again, I'm not saying, you know, we didn't put out strong 11s, but I'm saying now there's no more free hits. So you go to FC Dallas last week, and it was a very, very changed lineup because it was such a, a quick turnaround after the final. Now it's like, look, there's no CCL anymore. 
let's get focused. We're going to see the strongest possible lineups in MLS play for the Sounders. And, and you know, you, you put everything else to the review. It, it's slightly bizarre, Keith, when you look at the Western Conference final, uh, the Western Conference table, rather, and, and you, you see where the Sounders are. I, I must admit, I was surprised I had to scroll down a little further than I'm used to seeing for the Seattle Sounders. And as you mentioned, it's because of all the efforts on the CONCACAF Champions League. Uh, just two wins so far this campaign. I'm assuming the whole group are now wanting uh, the home stadium to, to absolutely become the fortress that we know it all is. But psychologically, Keith, I mean, you, you've coached in the past. How do you think the players need to adjust? Yeah, I, look, I, I think you can you can say, well, oh, it's it's still early in the season. I, I think if you're a, a club that has, you know, a, you know, a track record of competing at the top end, you're never comfortable in these kind of situations. And I know, you know, you win CONCACAF Champions League, but as you just said, Cal, you, you look at the league table and you're not in a position you want to be in. And, you know, we talk about, you know, oh, we played less games. Well, that doesn't matter. You have to win those games. Games in hand aren't worth anything until they're converted into three points. The, the one thing I will say is uh, the Sounders have a history of, you know, having spells where I think it was in 16 when Smets took over two years later, where we've had poor starts to the season and been able to turn it around. Um, so, so that's there for a lot of these players. The other thing I, I would say is it's more difficult to turn it on and off when you're a young team. When you're, when you're a team that's led by a lot of veterans, I think it's a lot easier to say, now we're switched back on, now our focus is solely on MLS. And you look down the core of that team, uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz, uh, back fully fit, Nico Ladero, who missed last season, who, you know, despite being a, a, an elite level player, I think the elite level players find ways to kind of motivate themselves. I think he's actually saying, I have a point to prove in terms of how I play. Um, you look defensively, you have... Yamar, Jackson Reagans come in and you have uh, Ariaga and then you have Stefan Fry as well, who all of a sudden is, is being thrown into that conversation, you know, for the U.S. men's national team squad. So I think when you look to the core of the team, you see the experience they have. It's kind of like we know what to expect at this level. We know we can't let it slip. We know the focus has to be good because, again, you know, when you look through that, um, those standings, uh, Cal and Kinder, I, I don't see many weak teams. So you're saying the Sounders have to climb. But there's a lot of really, really good teams above them in the in the standings as well. So um, it, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to happen in one or two games. But the Sounders now, you'll see a more uh, settled lineup, and you'll see a lineup that is is more reflective of the, the 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 strongest the Sounders can pick in MLS play. Well, speaking of that, though, Keith, one of the key pieces in some of those you know late season runs and and the success that this team has had from a consistent consistency standpoint has been Joao Paulo who's not going to be with the club and won't be able to play. So how, and I, I know we've seen some youngsters, Oved Vargas, one of them step right in and doesn't seem to miss a beat, but long-term, how do you think that position fares and how do you think that will affect the club and in including against Minnesota on the weekend? Yeah, it, it, it's a great point. It was such a, it was such a sad moment when it happened in the final. Um, I, I mean, you, you almost forgot in the rush of celebrating. And I remember later on that night, people kind of discussing it and saying, he, he's such a, a good leader, Joao Paulo. Um, you know, he comes from Brazil. He leads by example in practice, um, sets the tone in midfield. He's actually scored a couple of good goals against you guys as well. So <laughs> um, it, it, it's devastating to lose a player like that. There's, there's no doubt. And when you talk about replacing, there's just certain players that you, you don't replace like for like. But again, I'll go back and, and lend on the experience that 
you know, right around this time last year, we were talking about Nico Ladero missing the season and going, wow, there's no way the Sounders can replace him. And they did. And Jordan Morris missed the season. And there's no way the Sounders can replace him. And they did. So Brian Smetzer is, is, is really, really good at getting the best out of the next man up mentality. And if you look throughout the year, you know, even last year in MLS play, players that you think um, might, might be on the edge of the squad, he, he gives them minutes at the right time. So when they are called upon to be maybe a more featured member of that starting 11, they're ready. And they already know they have that, uh, that, that confidence from the coach. So um, I, I think it's going to be difficult. It may take a while to see exactly who plays that role for role. But in, in Obed Vargas, uh, Kundry just mentioned, he's 16 years of age. And I look, I, I work a little bit in, in youth soccer and I look for players that go on the field at that age. And a lot of times they go on not to make a mistake. It's just natural because you're like, I don't want to let anybody down. Obed goes on to get the ball. He, he, I mean, he came on in CCL early and was like, give me the ball. I want the ball. And I was going, this kid has personality. So, you know, one man down and you have a teenager stepping up. I'm excited to watch Obed develop um, and, you know, get time. There's also Josh Atencio, Danny Leva, other young players in there as well. Um, but, you know, long-winded way of saying it, it, it's really tough to see Joao Paulo go down. But the Sounders have shown in the past next man up mentality. And, and, and that's what I think we're going to see, you know, at the weekend and then moving forward as well. Keith, do we expect with the issue for Joao Paulo being out for the rest of the season now, do we expect the Sounders to perhaps tweak things a little? I, I would, you know, I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's, it's a good question. And I've thought about that as well. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, I think, you know, uh, maybe our best performance of the season was against you guys earlier in the campaign in terms of MLS play in the first half when we saw a midfield three where Albert Rusnak was kind of almost like in the eight role and Nico played as the 10 and Joao Paulo played the, the little bit of a deeper role. So I think you almost say, well, Albert and Nico are finding that position and playing that well. So we just want to fit someone in that will play the Joao role. Um, could you go away from it? Could you go to a back three again that we saw last year at times? But but I think there's a consensus that, you know, a midfield three will get the best out of Nico, get the best out of Albert. And then, of course, Jordan, who's come back this year as well on that left-hand side and been in good form. So I, I would say for now, it will be, you know, try, have someone play that role. You may see tweaks down the road. Um, but again, I, I think the fact that Albert and Nico kind of in the in the short minutes together as a midfield three, they've shown well. I, I think the idea would be to continue to to find a way to get the best out of those two with another midfielder in there as well. Speaking of Albert Rosnack, you just brought him up there. Did you think at the beginning that it would be this good of a scenario. I mean, we know his quality and we saw it with Real Salt Lake, but you never know how he's going to fit with the pieces around him. And you just men mentioned him with Nico and Albert's played, you know, eight of the MLS games already and clearly the CCL as well for you. What, what have you seen from him and Nico? And did you ever think, oh man, this isn't going to work or the whole time did you guys through this handful of games think this is a, this is going to be a good pickup? Yeah, I, I think I think when you look at Albert, you look at his his uh, career at RSL. He was the focal point, right? So you knew his role was maybe in that more advanced midfield position. So we we're kind of when he's coming in saying, "Well, does he play as the ten? Does he move out wide?" And uh, what I've been most impressed with is Albert. When you talk to him, like he doesn't seem fussed about numbers. It's like 
well, if, if our team is best with me as the number eight, dropping deeper, getting on the ball, that's what we're going to do. He, he came to Seattle to win, and you could see that after the game in, in CCL. Um, sometimes when you have a player, I mean, he had double figures and goals and assists last year for RSL because of that advanced position. Um, I don't get the sense that he's that fussed about numbers. Now, I, I do think the numbers will continue to, you know, get better and, and we'll see him more on the score sheet. But I like the fact that he's almost sacrificed that part of his game to make sure there's a, a good mix in midfield with Nico playing that higher role. They have a good understanding. They already have a good friendship as well. You can see off the field. I actually think, um, you know, we haven't seen enough of the three of them together in MLS. In MLS, Albert's kind of been moved around and he's been the constant with other players moving in, in roles. But in the minutes we saw, and again, I'll go back to that first half um, at your guys' stadium uh, early in the season when it was Albert, Joao and, and, uh, and Nico, that was the best I think we've played and it allowed us to have a real tempo in midfield. So um, I like what I've seen so far. I think Albert will score a few more goals, but I love the fact that that doesn't seem to be his focus. He's, his mindset seems to be, I came here to win trophies, whatever I need to do. If that means my numbers are less than they were in other seasons, no big deal. Well, he's won a big trophy already winning the CONCACAF Champions League. And one of the reasons the Sanders were able to do so well in the tournament, Keith, was because of the form of Stefan Fry. And you mentioned earlier on as well, he's now been mentioned within the conversation of the United States men's national team as someone who sees him on a regular basis. Is he deserving of this? Yeah, I, I think he should be in the conversation. I don't know how you guys feel about this. We, we were talking the other day. And, you know, when you say somebody is consistent, people automatically think that's just good. It's not like great, you, you, like you know. You say someone's else. When I say consistent, I think he's he does the 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 simple things so well, time and time again. Steph is like at that elite level in MLS. No mistakes, very little mistakes. Um, good distribution, good shot stopper, good positional play. So you say consistent, and it's like okay, consistency is okay. No, we're saying consistently good. Uh, and and I would argue, you know, not not to I don't want to bring in other names of other goalkeepers, but you, you look to you look to some of the people that have been called in. Great for them. But if you're going to call them in, as uh, I, I think you at least have to involve Steph in the conversation, bring him in. Um, you know, I, I look at, you know, squads that have, you know, the U.S. men's national team squads in the past where you've had Nick Romando in there. And I think just a great personality in the group as well. I think Steph brings so much to the table. And every time I talk to commentators from, you know, other teams in the league, they always bring up Steph as, wow, man, Steph is good. You, you can rely on him. There's no, like, areas of weakness in his game. So, for me, um, we shouldn't be looking at age. As, as a national team coach, you say, who's going to give me the best if, if I need to call upon them right now? And I think Steph definitely is deserving of being in that conversation. When you look, Keith, and we talk about um, the quality in the roster for Seattle Sounders and the depth and, and some of the youth that's been brought through. And I know we've talked to Brian Schmetzer before, and I've heard his quote saying, you're not going to bring someone just to bring them in. I mean, you're not going to just throw a younger kid out there to throw them out there. There's a reason and they have to sort of earn it. How often are you at training and how often do you see that continuity, whether it's with um you know, the S2 or whether it's with the academy kids or whether it's with the first team, how often do you see that sort of continuity and that confidence in those younger players? Yeah, I, I mean, the first thing I'll say is there's a there's a real understanding um, in terms of what Smets wants as a player. Smets is uh, the best balance of old school 
and new school. Like all the information is used and utilized, but he's, he's someone that's been around Seattle and he knows what it means to represent the team. So he wants someone that is hardworking, you know, uh, epitomizes what Seattle is as a region, as a city, uh, what the fans are going to want. You know, you're going to give a hundred percent work ethic no matter what. And, that tone is set, you know, in the academy staff. I think Steve Cook, Henry uh, Brunner have come in there and done a really good job of, you know, identifying players and, and kind of setting the tone of if you're going to want to play for Brian Smetzer, work rate is a minimum. Compete is a minimum. And then add on that your ability as a player, we can move forward. Um, Wade Weber with the defiance, good friend of Brian Smetzer. And, and again, Good mix of old school, but but taking in new information of saying, look, we want you to compete. And and I think when you're a young player coming up and sometimes you have academies, I've been around academies where we tell the player how great he is and how great he is. I just get the sense in in our structure, it's about how we can continue to improve you. And and that kind of keeps you humble as well. Um, You know, Obed is, is, is hopefully the next example and we'll see more coming through. Stuart Hawkins was just named Generation Adidas uh, MVP as well. So I, I, I think it's there's a, a uniform way of doing things from the academy all the way through to Brian Smetzer. Uh, and, and that kind of helps uh, the movement of players from one team to another, the this, this step up to be a little bit smoother. You know, you're not allowed walk and stroll in an academy game and then go to defiance and then all of a sudden be called up to the sounders and and not you know give that 100% work ethic so if everybody's on the same page you always have a, a much better chance of success and, and and I would argue that that all stems from the way Smetzer just goes about his business and and to, to add to that even you saw Raul Ruiz Diaz when he scored in the CCL final he went to a lot of the academy players to celebrate when you have DPs that work as hard as Raul Ruiz Diaz it's a lot easier to get the buy-in from the younger kids as well. So, uh, so many different positives to, to point to there. Uh, and, and I think that helps younger players coming through. Keith, most teams in Major League Soccer now find themselves having played 9, 10, some even 11 games. Minnesota United, no different from that regard. How have you seen Minnesota United so far? What, what's your assessment of Adrian Heath's side thus far? Yeah, I, I, I always find it the same for me with Minnesota. I look at the team and I see moments of, Wow, this team is 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 a top level team that can challenge for a title. We obviously, you know, had the game a couple of seasons ago in the MLS Western Conference Final, where I thought there was large spells in that game. I thought Minnesota were outstanding, and then there's times when I I look and I'm like, I I don't understand the result. I still think in in the final third, it, you know, Reynoso for me is an elite level ten, but is he consistently giving? what the team needs or the team always getting the best out of my, I, I, those are some of the things that immediately stand out is the number nine position. Is it, is it, is it, you know, you can look and say, that's definitely going to be the number nine. I know who has played there and, and, and you've had others and then laddies come back in and played out wide. So I still think there's pieces there that um, aren't quite finalized as much as, you know, perhaps the Seattle Sounders, but on their day, I, I, I think, Minnesota have the, the capabilities of being, you know, one of the, the top two or three teams in the Western Conference. I don't think anybody doubts that. It's just a case of that consistency uh, over the course of, you know, a longer period of time. And we've even seen that this season with up and down results as well. Keith Costigan, voice of Seattle Sounders. One more question for you. We'll let you go. We know you've got a, a game to prepare for and much other things going on as well. Many other things going on. Um, 
what given the way that the Sounders have started this Major League Soccer campaign, given the fact they're 13th in the Western Conference as it stands, what do you what do you think defines a good Major League Soccer season for Seattle Sounders now, given where they are? Oh well, you have to. Yeah, I, I like the jab of thirteenth as well. I, I know where we are. <laughs> no, no jabs intended here, mate. We're just stating facts, you know. <laughs> no, no. It, yeah, it is. You know, when, when it's facts, it hurts even more. Um, but I, I, I would say we're still so early in the season. Um, I, I still think the expectation is a um, is a top top three finish in the Western Conference. Um, you know, w- you know, we come from a, a background where, you know you want to win the, the league title in our case the supporters shield um but we know mls is about getting hot at the right time making sure you're in those playoff positions getting yourself into playoffs and then you know really you know really clicking into gear so i, I would say we're still early enough in the season to say look 13 place not where you want to be but i still think it's realistic to say you know we have everyone to play you know all of the games ahead of us uh, a top a top three position and then heading into those playoffs uh, with the mindset of, you know, doing what Seattle does, making MLS Cup finals and, and and hopefully, you know, lifting another trophy at the end of the season. But certainly, you know, the CCL final, we'll, we'll talk about it for a long time, but the Sounders have to move past that. We will move past it. And, and the expectations is that we'll challenge for another title at the end of the season. 3 p.m. Central, Minnesota United travel to Lumen Field to take on Seattle Sounders. My thanks to the voice of Seattle Sounders, Keith Costigan, Kendra D. St. Aubin, as always, and our expert button presser, Evan Entler, and of course, to you for listening at home. You've been listening to The Sound of the Loons, presented by Alina Health Orthopaedics.